0: So, Spirit of God, we pray that you would move, that, Father, you would breathe on us now, and that my word wouldn't be my word, it would be your word, that our breath wouldn't simply be our breath, it would be your breath. We pray that you would help us now, Lord God, in Jesus' name, through the power of your Spirit, to preach. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Life is confusing, right? I mean, right from the start, it's it's confusing. That scene's from the movie Big Fish, and it's not entirely accurate because birth is actually far more traumatic than that. I've seen it One, two, three, four times, and uh, each time, uh, with each one of my kids, I I, I remember this look on their face right after they're born. The doctor would hold them up, their their eyes would get big, and then they'd like take this gasp, their first gasp, a big breath of air, and scream. It's traumatic. Life is confusing and traumatic right at the start, and it's definitely the same at the end. This Easter marks the 10-year anniversary of my father's death. He died 10 years ago last month, and he died of a disease that slowly took his breath. Dad was the last of a family of 15. He used to tell me about how much he missed them and this dream that he had of uh, them all together back in their, their old farmhouse. Dad was also a twin. Dan Hyatt, my dad, shared the womb with Don Hyatt, my uncle. However, Don Hyatt died in infancy. So when my other uncles would get mad at my dad, they'd say stuff like this, you're not Dan, you're Don. Dan's dead. And then my dad would run weeping to my grandma saying, am I Dan or, am I alive or dead? Am I Dan or or Don? My sister Rachel once gave him a book about twins Uh, that had lost their twin brother or sister. I remember my dad uh, showing it to me and saying, Peter, this explains it. This explains me. All my life I felt like someone so close to me was missing. So you see the temporary presence of Don Hyatt created an absence in Dan Hyatt that made Dan Hyatt long for the presence of Don Hyatt, more presence, lasting presence. So my dad just always wanted to be with people. I mean, you remember that. He just always wanted to be with you. He always wanted to be with me. It was kind of even annoying at times. He would call me, dear one, and kiss me. In front of the junior high, he'd kiss me. He always wanted to be with me, with family, with friends. For a month or so, um, a few months before, before he died, he, he had to stay in a nursing home, and he was just miserable. Remember, he so missed his family and his home, and I remember complaining to God, saying, why are you putting him through this? He not only has to slowly surrender his breath, he has to slowly surrender the deepest desires of his heart. Well, that was able to die at home. But he still had one desperate wish that remained unfulfilled. He wanted to come back to church. And that confused me. Actually, it had confused me for about 23 years. See, my dad was a pastor and had wonderful experiences with church. But in the last 20 years, I watched him experience such tremendous pain. And he didn't understand why he wanted more church well it's hard to watch someone die it's hard to watch and witness the unfulfilled longings and we all have unfulfilled longings we're all dying this last year some of you lost a husband or a wife or a parent maybe a child maybe a business Maybe your dream died. And now you're dying. My dad loved the mountains. He loved hiking. He loved horses. He used to tell me about his, his horse and how his horse died. And I so remember how his legs died, his hiking legs gave out. We took him hiking um, with the family, and he fell over on my daughter Elizabeth. He was so embarrassed, so ashamed confused. It was his lungs. He didn't know it at the time, but he was beginning to yield his breath and the desires of his heart. And I would complain to God during those years, say, God, why can't you do this quickly? Why do you only seem to nurture these painful longings? I mean, it's just like the longings get bigger and deeper and more painful. In the end, my dad looked like a pile of dry bones. And in the end, more than any other tangible thing, I think my dad longed for breath. His eyes would grow big, and he would try to gasp for breath. Dr. Paul Brand writes this, I know of no human experience that produces such a spasm of uncontrolled panic as does breathlessness. In the end, he had no breath. And he expired. In the beginning of my children's lives, they inspired and I got to watch. It's hard to watch someone expire. But it's a thrill to watch someone be inspired. In the beginning, God inspired Adam. In the beginning, God expired in order to inspire Adam, that means man, mankind. That is, God breathed his breath into dust and man became a living soul. It's as if God created the soul by blowing a place of emptiness into the dust with his own breath. As if God blew lungs into the clay with a word, a breath. A word, you know, is a breath laced with with meaning, with reason. The Hebrew words neshama or ruach are each translated breath or spirit, same word, breath or spirit. In Greek, neo is breath or spirit as a verb. Pneuma is breath or spirit as a noun. Pneumon is lungs, where we get the word pneumonia. The English word spirit comes from the Latin spiritus, which literally translated is breath. So we expire, that is we breathe out, and we inspire, we breathe in. In Greek, ekneo is expire, breathe out, and impneo is inspire or in spirit. Well, in the beginning, God inspired Adam, breathed into him like a kiss. You know, mouth to mouth resuscitation without fear is a pretty good kiss. God inspired Adam, and Adam sinned. Adam and Eve didn't trust God and so tried to take knowledge of life from a tree as their own possession, which they then refused to surrender, refused to confess, as if they inhaled and would not exhale. They held their breath. They held the breath, the spirit. They held their spirit and death. Reigned. In the Old Testament, I think it's interesting that people have spirits, and yet it's like they're trapped in death. If you don't expire, you cannot inspire. There's no respiration, no respiration. You know, love is offering your spirit breath, your spirit, your, your pneuma. We say God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's holy breath. The Spirit emanates from the Father and the Son. Father and Son breathe the same breath. Like a kiss. In this is is love, says Scripture. Not that we loved God, but God loved us and gave Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. Love is offering your spirit like a sacrifice. God is love, and love... Poured out is Jesus, and Jesus is, Scripture says, the life who gives us his spirit. And this is love. God expired so that we would be inspired. God breathes his life into us, and we hold our breath, hold our lives. Sometimes spoiled children do that. Why do they do it? To gain control. Sometimes, I read this on Wikipedia, actually about 5% of children under 6, sometimes children hold their breath till they pass out. Overwhelmed with anxiety or fear, they hold their breath. In asthmatics, the parents have to hold the child and comfort the child and say, relax, relax, breathe in, breathe out. You're okay, have peace, relax, breathe. We all hold our breath. We hold our breath under stress. The, the chest tightens. The breath grows shallow. Doctors and counselors then give us breathing exercises in order to handle the stress, the anxiety, the fear. And so let's do it. Let's just take a, a deep breath. Okay, class, everybody, take a deep breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Out, in, that's life. Out, in, now hold it, hold it, just hold it, hold it. I mean that's the way we live right afraid to breathe afraid to expire afraid to die and yet we're already dead fear of losing your life is death and how weird is that because we're surrounded by breath we're surrounded by life we're surrounded by spirit but if you hold it you're dead in fear, I think I better not lose I better not lose my I better save my life so I go around sucking it all in. <laughs> oh, and I'm dead. Dead. I read that some scholars think that the name of God Yahweh originally described the sound of breathing. You know, in Jesus' day, and still to this day, many Orthodox Jews were so afraid of saying the name in vain, the name of God in vain, they made a law that you couldn't say it at all. Even though the prophet said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You must breathe to be saved. You must expire to inspire. Yah. Maybe sin is holding your breath. It's holding your spirit. It's holding your life. Refusing to surrender, refusing to love, refusing to breathe God. For God is love. And scripture says God is spirit. God is love. Breath. In him, in him, we live and move and have our being, writes the Apostle Paul. In him, we live and move and have our being. So what's wrong with the children of Adam? We must be holding our breath. A few years ago, I noticed something, I thought, kind of amazing in all four Gospels that I think we forget. In all four Gospels, the last thing that Jesus does on the cross, on the tree, is surrender his spirit, his breath. Matthew 27, 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his pneuma, his spirit. Yielded up is the word aphiomi, normally translated, forgive. Mark 15, 37, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last, Echneo expired, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood by there facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, Echneo expired, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. You see, crucifixion literally takes a man's breath away on the tree. He can inhale, But in exhaustion, hanging on the tree, he cannot exhale. So Jesus must have pushed himself up on the nails to exhale. Exhale his breath. We took it. And yet he gave it. He forgave it. The centurion, the centurion who knew all about crucifixion, he saw that and he said, surely this man was the son of God. Luke 23, 46, then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my pneuma, my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Agneo, John 19, 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he breathed, uh, he bowed his head and and gave up his spirit, his, his pneuma, yielded up, gave up his, his spirit. Using my computer, I searched the Old Testament to see if there's any other place where a man is said to give up his spirit. And, and I couldn't find any. The closest is Psalm 31:5, where David commits his spirit, and yet David's a picture of Christ, and surely he held his breath while he seduced Bathsheba and killed her husband, right? So you get the picture? God breathed into man, and man held his breath, his spirit in the old testament solomon says that all go to one place that on death the spirit is trapped in the earth like a ghost is trapped in a tomb or a grave and so hell is holding your breath your spirit in first peter it is written that jesus preached to the spirits the breaths in prison who did not obey in the days of Noah. He preached, quote unquote, to the dead. In Matthew, right after it says Jesus yielded up his spirit, it says the curtain in the temple was ripped. Our bodies of clay are a temple. The curtain was ripped, the tombs were opened. Verse 52, some were raised and entered the city, appearing to many. In Ezekiel, God says, son of man, prophesy to the bones in the valley of dry bones. Say, come breath, Ezekiel does, and he watches. As the bones come together and grow sinew and meat and begin to breathe, the bones live. Incredible stuff. But just get this for now. God breathed into Adam and Adam held his breath until the last Adam surrendered his breath. Until Jesus expired. Expired. Jesus was first to expire and first to inspire. Scripture calls him the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn of many brethren. Firstborn, Romans 8. Paul writes that all creation is groaning in birth pains, waiting for the revealing of the sons of glory, also that Christ might be firstborn among many brethren. Did you get that? Creation is a womb and, and Jesus is the firstborn out of it. And so watching the death of Jesus or one of his brethren is like watching a birth from inside the womb. It's hard to watch a death, but it's a thrill to, to watch a birth. And have you ever considered this idea that, that the universe? I mean, space and time itself is, is a womb? I mean, if that's true, you've got to ask this question. What's outside the womb? If you know anything about astrophysics and quantum physics, you know that the two greatest mysteries in science are these. Number one, what's beyond the Big Bang? What's beyond space and time? What's beyond all that's natural? By definition, it must be supernatural and eternal number two what's an observer that is who am i for in me is something supernatural ask a quantum physicist it's like eternity is in my heart i'm fertilized with eternity eternal seed, and yet still growing here in space and time, like in a womb in the belly of eternity. Martin Luther used to say, imagine if a baby could reason inside the womb. Surely it would wonder, what are these hands for? What are these feet for? What is this mouth for? the umbilical cord (laughs) yeah now that makes sense now now we're we're talking to the baby I mean that would be like everything right everything but the things that seem like nothing the things that don't make sense in the womb well they might testify to another room another world I mean if you were that baby in the womb the best evidence for another world might be yourself And in yourself, things like your stomach. What's that for? Things like your lungs. What's the purpose of lungs in a womb? The baby receives all of his or her oxygen oxygen through the the body of the mother and through, after a few uh, weeks, that incredible umbilical cord. And that's a good way for the baby to receive the oxygen. For if the undeveloped baby were exposed directly to the air, the baby would be like burned or oxidized. And if right now we were exposed directly to God, who is spirit and love and eternal, if right now we're exposed directly to God, I think we just might get burned. We might get oxidized by holy, eternal fire. Well, anyway, like we were saying, what's the purpose of lungs in a baby In a womb, there's no air to breathe in a womb. And yet, as early as 10 weeks gestation, doctors detect breathing movements in the baby. By 28 weeks, the baby will breathe amniotic fluid. But of course, the baby isn't really breathing because it's not breathing breath. The baby isn't really breathing, but only preparing to breathe. Maybe we don't really love. But we are preparing to love. To really love, well, I think it would be to love love. Like you breathe breath. Well, imagine if you had a skeptical twin in your mother's womb. In your mother's womb with you. He he might say... Stop that. Stop that breathing. Stop that thing you're doing with your chest. It makes no sense. There's no point in breathing. Or stop loving. There's no point in in loving. It's painful and it's entirely impractical. The stock market, food and clothing, the things of this world, well that's all that matters. Placenta, umbilical cord, the things of this womb, that's all that matters. But lungs, they don't matter. Faith, hope, it doesn't matter. Love is futile and painful. Love hiking and your legs will give out. Love a horse and it will die. Love a family and they'll break your heart. Love a church and you'll get crucified. Love Jesus. Jesus said, I am going away. He'll leave. Love God. There's no God. There's no love. Loving love is an illusion. Stop love. Stop breathing. Stop doing that thing with your chest. Just hold your breath. Don't endure such desperate, painful longings as faith, hope, or love. See, maybe we ask why the unfulfilled longings the same way that a baby would ask why these lungs why these empty places in my chest there's nothing to fill them with but but fluid did you know that birth is incredibly traumatic for the baby i learned that when jonathan was born the doctor explained it to me it's traumatic but the trauma the birth pains the contractions have a purpose they expire the baby they literally squeeze the amniotic fluid the amniotic fluid right out of the baby's lung the pressure is so intense that the baby can no longer breathe fluid the baby is being expired for in a moment in the twinkling of an eye the baby will be inspired Get that confused look. Eyes will grow big. Take a big gasp of air. First breath of air and then let out a scream. And see with his eyes. Run with his feet. Eat with his mouth. Touch his mom. Touch his dad. The baby will be home. The end is the beginning. The death is a birth. And all that remains of that amazing umbilical cord, all that remains of that which seemed as if it was everything, all that remains is a wound, a scar that we call a belly button. And so at funerals, I often tell people to do this. I tell people just to gaze at their, at their navel, gaze at their navel. You can do this now if you want by tell them to lift up their shirts and just gaze <laughs> at their navel. Okay, so you can can do this now or you can later. um, Gaze at your navel and then breathe. (sighs) Breathe in some air and then make a declaration. Speak a word, say umbilical cord. You used to be everything to me. You were my food, you were my breath, you were my life. But I don't need you anymore because I was made for another world. I'm free. And then I say, look up at this world. Or even better yet, look in the mirror at your dried up, wrinkly, old, umbilical cord-like body. And say, you used to be everything to me. But I'm being made for another world. And so thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. But you are not necessary anymore. (laughs) I'm free. And I want to live free. There are three belly button verses in the Bible. I know that because I checked. (laughs) Number one, Ezekiel prophesies that when God found us, our navel cord was uncut. In other words, we were dependent upon and tethered. To this world not free but tethered to this world proverbs 3 translated literally says this trust in the lord and it will be health to your navel that is trust in the lord and it will be health for your relationship with this world you will not be addicted to this world and the things of this world constantly sucking the life out of the things of this world and 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 this world itself number three song of solomon 7 2 to the bride the lord says your navel Is a rounded, I know you were thinking about this when you saw my navel, but this says, Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. The Lord says that to the bride. Sounds kind of sexy, huh? (laughs) Why would he say that? What's that mean? Well, we were just saying. Watching the death of Jesus or one of his brethren or cistern would be like watching a birth from inside the womb. There's travail, there's pain, and then there's absence. And if you wonder, is there life after birth? Well, the best evidence would be the longing within you. The empty places within your own chest. C.S. Lewis wrote this. I find in myself desires, if I find in myself desires, which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. In another place, he writes, we are so little reconciled to time that we are even astonished at it. How he's grown, we exclaim. How time flies. See, we're so surprised by space and time, it's as if we were meant for eternity. Lewis continues, it is as strange as if a fish were repeatedly surprised at the wetness of water. And that would be strange indeed, unless of course that fish was destined to one day walk on land. Perhaps another way to say that would be that you and I in this world are like big fish out of water. The movie Big Fish came out um, just a few weeks before my dad dies. You saw how it begins. This is how it begins. Very big fish. I think my dad was a big fish. Destined for the river of life. Destined to breathe life himself. And you know, that's what baptism symbolizes. You die to one world, and you live to another. You exhale one world, and you inhale another. You lose your life, and you find your life filled with God. You find your, your life, not another's life, but your life. Your emptiness, your unique sorrows, your unique longings, your emptiness is filled with Him. The mold in which a key is made would be a strange thing, writes Lewis. A strange thing if you had never seen a key. And the key itself, a strange thing if you had never seen a lock. Your soul has a curious shape because it is a hollow made to fit a particular swelling in the infinite contours of the divine substance. For it is not humanity in the abstract that is to be saved, but you, the individual. Have you ever noticed how all the resurrection experiences are individual and unique? I mean, it's to doubting Thomas that Jesus says, Thomas, put your hand in my wound. Jesus literally fills the doubts of Thomas with himself. Coward Peter is reinstated as the rock. Confused disciples on the way of Emmaus. They get all of Scripture explained to them. The last of all becomes the first of all to see him. Mary of Magdalene. You know, if she was a harlot, she becomes the bride. When you breathe him in, you will know him as no other person ever has or ever will. Your empty longings become his unique presence. Your old empty self becomes the very fullness of God. Your expiration becomes your inspiration if you don't hold your breath. So, how do we get the courage? How do we get the faith, in other words, to not hold our breath, but surrender our spirit? John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, for fear... So get the picture? They're locked down in fear, holding their breath, afraid to exhale. And Jesus appears in that room. He appears in that womb to his former womb mates. And he shows them his scars, that place on his body where he was cut away from this world. He showed them his eternal belly button and he said, have peace. As if to say, when the birth pains start, and they will start, they've already started. When the birth pains start, remember me, your older brother, firstborn from the dead, firstborn of all creation. Remember me. But he didn't just show them. He breathed on them. He inspired them. To some degree, they had already been expired at the cross, right? I mean, the cross just, like, knocked the air right out of them, right out of their chest. Knocked the arrogance and the ego right out of them. The illusion that they could create themselves and save their own lives, it just knocked it right out of their chest. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. My Father's house We'll keep reading, and you'll find out that the Father's house is, is us. We're the, we're the temple. So maybe the place prepared is the place prepared by his presence, and then absence, which makes us long for more presence, lasting presence, eternal presence. Well, anyway, at the cross, Jesus expired them they died with him Jesus expired them and now he inspires them 1st Corinthians fifteen forty-five. thus it is written the first Adam the first man became a living being a living soul literally the first man became a living soul the last Adam became a life-giving spirit a life-giving pneuma the holy breath now I cannot adequately explain this but life is communicated to us through this world, through biology, through sex, through fertilization, through food and clothing and shelter. Life. And Jesus is the life. The life that we kill, the life that we crucify. Life. But eternal life is communicated. To us directly through jesus christ crucified and risen from the dead like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation like a blood transfusion through broken body you see communion really is like an umbilical cord but don't get me wrong the bread is from safeway the wine is from tipsies and it will pass away you'll pass it away or my wife will pass it away in the trash can after the service but 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 the life eternal life that it communicates that will not pass away The life is in the blood. The oxygen is in the blood. The breath, the spirit, is in the blood. Galatians 4, 6. God has sent the spirit, the breath of his son, into our hearts. Which pump blood, right? He's spent the breath of his son, the spirit of his son, into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is like breath from another world. Faith is oxygen uh, from another world. Faith is Christ's courage in you. When we exercise faith, we die with Him and rise with Him. We literally become His body in communion with Him. Our wounds are His wounds, His wounds are our wounds. Our scars are his scars. I think that's why he finds the belly button of his bride so sexy, like a a rounded bowl filled with wine. It's where Jesus and his bride commune. You know, Jesus didn't, didn't come just to die for you. He did not come just to die for us. He came to die with us. He came to help us expire so that we could inspire. You cannot inspire until you expire. You cannot rise with him if you have not died with him. It was 10 years ago, March 8th, that my father died. The the last thing he ate was a broken piece of bread that I had handed to him for communion. The last thing he drank was a drop of wine. The last thing he said was, thank you, after I said, this is his blood for you. I didn't know he was going to die in a few minutes, but I knew that he was close and he was struggling. Everyone had left the room, and so we had just a few moments alone. He could no longer speak. I remember I rested my head on the bed beside his chest, and he was like a valley of dry bones. I could hear the crackling and the popping as the fluid from the pneumonia filled up his lungs. I said, Dad, I want to pray for you. And I prayed something like this: "Father in heaven, it must be so frightening not to know where and when you will get your next breath. Please help my dad, to know deep down inside that he no longer needs to breathe air. Because, Father, he can breathe your spirit. God help Dad to relax and breathe you, in Jesus' name, amen. Kissed my dad on the head and said, I'll be back in a few minutes to spend the night when I returned, he had just breathed his last and first. My sister Lydia said that he started to uh, go as soon as as soon as I left, started to slide. She said he'd like inspire and then expire and, and stop. Inspire and then expire and stop a, a little longer. And then he inspired and expired one last time. He expired carbon dioxide, and inspired the Spirit of God. He was home. It's hard to watch a death, but it's a thrill to watch a birth. We had witnessed the birth of my father from inside the womb. Maybe I had even prophesied, or the Son of Man in me had prophesied to the dry bones, and now my dad, Dan Hyatt, breathes God. And every breath is Easter. Every empty longing is filled. So think about this. If you've got a lot of empty longings, every empty longing is filled with the eternal presence of God a friend told me that she saw my dad after he died she was hiking in the woods on this mountain just praying and she said peter i looked up and i saw your dad he was riding this amazing horse laughing and smiling and he looked at me and he said Lori, have hope have hope he loved mountains he loved hiking he loved horses but he had to expire his desire in order to inspire the fulfillment of his desire. He longed for family and had to expire that desire, but now he has family back forever. God's family and his family, I think it's us. I mean, this, we're talking about the border between time and eternity, okay? I, I think it's, it's us. And dad longed for his brother in the womb. And now he has his older brother, Jesus, and his other brother, Dawn. Don. And dad longed to come back to church. I think he did come back to church. Most of you know the story. Six and a half years ago, three and a half years after my father died, I was about to um, go through the most challenging time of my relatively pain-free life. And I remember I had just said the words of institution, broken the bread, poured the wine, came down, sat next to my wife while people were coming forward. She grabbed my arm and she said, Peter, I just saw your dad. She said all at once he was standing in front of me and he was so alive. She said his eyes were like on fire and he was so excited. In his hand he had this this bowl. He held out his hand, he held out the bowl and he said, Susan and Peter, do not be afraid to drink from the cup that the Lord has for you. And then he vanished. Well, I knew what that meant. I had seen my dad hurt, and I was terrified to be hurt in the same way. I was holding my breath, and I still hold my breath. But my dad was saying, Peter, breathe. Breathe out your fear. Breathe out your sin, your anxiety, your your shame, your sorrow. Breathe out and breathe in. God's mercy, and breathe out his word, the gospel. Breathe now. By grace, through faith, breathe. Peter, have hope. I don't think that was just an illusion. I don't think that was just my dad. I think that was the word of my Father in heaven through the resurrected body of Christ or a member of the body of Christ that we call my dad. Now, you don't have to believe that stuff about my dad. But you need to believe this, that on the night we betrayed him, on the night we handed him over, our big brother... Took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the covenant in my blood. poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. Don't be afraid to drink the cup that the Lord has for you. Expire your sin and inspire God's mercy. Expire your control and inspire the freedom of God. Expire your judgment and inspire God's judgment. Expire your flesh and inspire the spirit. Expire your ego and inspire love. Expire and inspire. That's the only way to live. Dying with him and rising with him. And then, even now, every breath is Easter. So close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And ask yourself, or ask God, God, is there something I need to breathe out? Maybe yourself, your control, your, your ego, your fear. There is something you need to breathe in. And so we invite all of you to come to the table. Tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. But, but if you do... Know that you are saying something. You are making a declaration, and that is I surrender my life. I expire. And I long to be inspired by God. If you don't want communion, feel free to just pass by. If you don't want him but know this he he wants you. So believe the gospel and breathe live let's worship. Powerful forever. awesome and great is your name. How do you understand why Jesus is such a big deal? Because you see, he didn't just die his own death. Lots of people died on crosses in the Roman Empire. He didn't just die his own death. He died your death. He died all of our deaths. He expired <sighs> for the sins of the whole And even now, His Spirit comes to you through that cord in the womb. A little bit of faith, hope, and love in you. That's the oxygen of the kingdom in you. Exercise it. Practice loving. I mean, maybe it's not real loving, okay? It's just the law. You're doing it because you have to. But you're practicing, okay? You're doing it. Because one day, He's going to meet you. He's going to take you by the hand, and He's going to lead you to His cross. And He's going to say, okay, let's do it. Let's go through the birth canal. Let's expire this place and inspire your home. And on the other side, there's a party, a father and a mother that is the great church of God and a celebration. It's Easter, forever. And you'll breathe love and the love won't hurt. The love will be ecstasy. You were made for ecstasy in the kingdom of God. That's why you got that painful longing. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel and breathe. Amen. Amen.